0: Hello, welcome Hi. to the New Books in Jewish Studies podcast. I am your host today, Ari Barbalat. Today, I am honored to be in dialogue with Dr. Radu Juanid. He is the ambassador of Romania to the state of Israel and was formerly a historian and archivist with the United States Holocaust Memorial Museum in Washington, D.C. This interview is being given in a private capacity as a historian. We are here today to discuss his book, The Holocaust in Romania, The Destruction of Jews and Roma Under the Antonescu Regime, 1940-1944, to published by Roman and Littlefield, 2022. It is an honor to be with you today. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you. I thank you. To begin, where did you grow up? Can you tell us a bit about your earlier life? What events in your life inspired your interest in this topic?
1: Yes, I was born in uh, Bucharest in 1953. And uh, I was always interested in history, and especially modern history, history of 20th century. And growing up in uh, communist Romania, I emigrated to the United States in 1987 when I was 33 years old. So, so growing up in communist Romania, I noticed that slowly but surely the regime, the communist regime, was becoming more and more nationalistic, and uh, frankly speaking, uh, borrowing more and more features from. Uh, uh, the past uh, communist uh, the past I, I'm sorry fascist regime of uh, regimes of Romania so basically uh, to, to say it in a shorter way the communist uh, Romania was becoming ideologically more and more
0: fascist what inspired you to research and prepare this book what message do you hope to convey to readers
1: well, First of all, I was inspired uh, in writing this book by the fact that, uh, unfortunately, for way, way uh, too long, for a too long time, uh, the history of the Holocaust was too German-oriented and too Mm -hmm. all-Poland-oriented in the sense that uh, most of the history of the Holocaust until a certain period of time was uh, oriented towards the crimes committed by Nazi Germany in occupied Poland, in the extermination camps in occupied Poland, and in other concentration camps uh, controlled by Nazi uh, Germany in, in occupied Europe. Uh, Therefore, what uh, was the Holocaust in certain European countries, East European countries, Romania included, but not only, like Yugoslavia, like Bulgaria, like the former Soviet Union, uh, this part of the Holocaust was mostly ignored. And uh, there is an explanation for this, and the explanation is that in uh, communist countries, Uh, The archives uh, were mostly closed. The archives related to the Holocaust were mostly closed for uh, various reasons. And uh, this was also the case of Romania.
0: What are the primary themes in your book? What message does this book convey?
1: So first of all, uh, this book is uh, one of the very... Few books written, unfortunately, about the Holocaust in Romania, which is a special chapter of uh, the Holocaust for reasons which I am ready to explain. And uh, the message, uh, if I may say it in a very brief way, is that as long as the archives are not open, one cannot write a solid history of the Holocaust. Luckily, after the fall of communism, the Romanian archives from Romania and from other neighboring countries like Ukraine, like like the Republic of Moldova, like uh, 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 Russia opened to a certain degree when it comes to Russia, and this allowed me and other historians to enter into this subject. So this is one message that the book conveys. The other message is that um, no country which, which was um, affected by the Holocaust uh, has, uh, or let me put it in a different way, each country which was affected by the Holocaust has a specific history. For example, the history of Romania when it comes to the Holocaust says that uh, the destruction of Romanian Jewry was, number one, a specific uh, type of destruction, mostly coordinated by the Romanian government in the areas controlled by, geographic areas controlled by this government, wartime government, wartime fascist government. And number two, that uh, this, history of the Holocaust in Romania has another uh, interesting specificity. It started early, uh, mostly with the beginning of uh, the military operations against Soviet Union and ended in terms of physical destruction relatively early, let's say in 1943, relatively early compared to other neighboring countries of Romania like, like, uh, for example, Hungary, where the bulk of the destruction uh, is done in 1944. And finally, finally, another major specificity of the Holocaust in Romania is that half of the Romanian Jewry uh, survived the Holocaust, which is huge because Romania was the third Jewish, the, uh, Romania had before World War II, the third Jewish community in Europe in terms of size. So we are talking about the survivor of slightly over 300,000 Jews, which is a lot if we look at, uh, in general, to Europe and and, uh, especially to these countries which have major Jewish communities like Poland,
0: like, like Soviet Union. What would you like listeners to get out of our dialogue today?
1: Well, whatever they like whatever they find interesting, I don't know. Every every person with his own uh, uh, interest and his own uh, um, curiosity. Um, look, uh, sometimes people are very much interested in uh, individual stories. Other people are interested in the big picture. Some people want to understand something about legislations, other about forced labor, I don't know what the preferences are. You should know better what the preferences of your listeners and viewers are.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Can you describe the key events of Jewish history in Romania before the Holocaust? What were the main Uh, themes and turning points in the history of Jewish emancipation in Romania?
1: So before we go to emancipation, we should say a few general words about the history of uh, Jewish communities in Romania. Sure. So why I insist on the plural, because Romania had a, uh, a very interesting and diverse history itself. It is uh, It was modern Romania was made uh, by the unification of Valachia, which is part of Romania close to the Danube, of Moldova, which is a northern part of of Romania, or also unification with uh, Bukovina and uh, with Transylvania. And uh, I would say that uh, Romania is, uh, from one uh, point of view, when we are talking about Jewish history, unique. Every country is unique, of course, but Romania, when it comes to the diversity of the of the Jewish communities is truly, truly unique because if you look at, the, if one looks at the history of, uh, of uh, the Jews in Romania, one can see a multitude of Jewish communities like Pacific Jews in Marmoros working the land, being farmers or uh, conservative or uh, Jews in in Bukovina, uh, very emancipated, working in the lumber industry, uh, watchmakers, tailors, uh, uh, Askenaz Jews in, in, in Moldova, but also Sephardic communities in the south of the country, and finally reformed Jewry in Transylvania. So uh, every type of Jewish community, European Jewish community can be found in Romania uh, uh, because of uh, uh, the complex history of the Romanian provinces. One more thing to be said about the, the, the history of uh, the Jews in Romania that we have archaeological and, and uh, other types of historical proofs that Uh, 100 years after uh, uh, Jesus Christ uh, we do have presence of Jews in Romania some of them who came with the Roman uh, armies which occupied part of what will become much much later modern Romania. so we have uh, in fact one of the two uh, Roman legions, which occupied the territories, or the territory of future Romania, or part of it, uh, came from Palestine and recruited even locally. So it's an interesting story and very, very old story. Of course, when it comes to the Middle Ages, we don't know enough about the history of Jews in Romania. Here and there, some uh, Jewish. Envoys, travelers, or small Jewish communities pop up. Uh, but the same can be said about the Romanian uh, history of Romanians, ethnic Romanians, because uh, everywhere in Europe, the Middle Ages uh, sometimes are uh, barely known or not so well known. In any case, um, starting with uh 17th century, we see uh, an increase of the uh, Jewish population in the Romanian uh, lands. This is due to the fact that, like many other areas which were under Ottoman influence, uh, the local uh, population and the local administrations were more tolerant towards the Jews than. Uh, the countries of Western Europe or Poland or Tsarist Russia. So, uh, there are newly established Jewish community, starting with uh, 17th century, 18th century in Romania, uh, all over, but especially in uh, Moldova and in uh, Transylvania.
0: What were the key events of the history of Jewish emancipation in Romania. Can you tell us a bit about the history of the Jewish community before, Mm -hmm. yes, before the events of the Holocaust?
1: Yes, we should talk a little bit about the 19th century and a little bit about the 20th century. Again, uh, if we want to talk about emancipation, clearly the areas uh, controlled by the Austrian Austrian Hungarian Empire by the the areas controlled by the Habsburgs, this emancipation takes place uh, much earlier, like in the case of the rest of the Jewish population from this empire, Austro Hungarian Empire. Uh, When it comes to uh, Moldova, let us remember that northern Moldova, Uh, the province of uh, Bessarabia, basically, which more or less today is a Republic of Moldova, was occupied from 1812 until 1918, so for uh, 106 years, by the Tsarist Empire. There we cannot talk about emancipation. We We can talk only about discrimination and about pogroms. Let us remember that Russian Empire was extremely anti-Semitic, uh, created the so-called Bayer settlement where the Jews were allowed to leave. Jews, unless they, with, a, with the exception, very few, with very few exceptions, the Jews were not allowed to live in St. Petersburg or in, in, in Moscow. And furthermore, the Tsarist Empire organized massive pogroms Uh, Like the pogroms 1903 and 1905 in Kishinev. When it comes to Romanian Moldova, so the southern part of Moldova and Wallachia, there the situation of the Jews was relatively difficult because, in spite of the fact that uh, in in, uh, 1980s. 1988 uh, the Congress of Berlin uh, no I'm sorry in, uh, in, in 1978 I reverse the numbers in 1978 uh, the Congress of Berlin uh, rec uh, told basically Romania newly created Romania Valia and Moldova unified in 1856. Look, we will recognize your independence from 1877, but under the conditions that you will give equal rights to all minorities. And uh, the Romanian uh, governments and rulers said fine, but they used a legislative trick, which basically stated that for a Jew to be given the... Romanian citizenship had to be voted individually, I repeat, individually, by the Romanian parliament. Which means that with a few dozens of exceptions, of people who have connections who have the wealth or influence to convince, in a way or another, the Romanian parliament to grant them citizenship. And with the exception of 888 Romanian Jews who were veterans of the 1877 Independence War, no Jew was able to get citizenship in Romania, although many of them were born in Romania and uh, they were paying taxes in Romania. They were drafted in the military service, in the military system, and so on. So they had all the obligations of the Romanian ethnic Romanians but they were not uh, granted citizenship which was clearly an anti-Semitic measure and this situation plus other discriminations which are described in my book lasted until the end of World War 1 when the saint germain me Treaty and the Conference of Berlin of uh, Conference of Paris 1923, um, basically imposed on Romania to grant uh, equal rights to all uh, Romanian citizens or uh, Romanian uh, members of the minorities from the uh, newly acquired territories, because let us remember, after World War One, Wallachia uh, and Moldova called. At that time, Romania uh, acquired, due to its victory in the war, together in uh, its victory in the war in which they were allied with uh, with uh, with uh, France, and and, uh, United States, and England, acquired Transylvania, acquired Bukovina, and Bessarabia, or reacquired, more more exactly. Part of these provinces, so Greater Romania becomes a country which is uh, which has 28% of uh, minorities, and uh, we will, as we will see in 1930, during the census of 1930, Romania has 759,000 Jews, 760,000 Jews. Again, the third Jewish community of Europe. So, because of this treaty, Saint-Germain Treaty and the Treaty of Paris, Constitution of Romania clearly grants equal rights to the Jews, situation which will uh, remain like this until very early um, um, 1938. Uh, this being said, in between the two world wars, we see an increase of anti-Semitism in Romania, an increase of uh, the activities of two fascist parties. One of them uh, is uh, the so-called Iron Guard or called also the Legion of Archangel Michael, which is a a fascist party uh, which is um, based on Classic uh, fascist Nazi ideology with a very strong democratic uh, Orthodox church-oriented ideology. And the second uh, fascist party was uh, uh, National League of Christian Defense, later called the National Christian Party. I listed these two parties. For your listeners and viewers, because together in uh, 1937, during the December 1937 elections, these two political parties will gather together very close to 25% of the votes, 24.8% of the total votes, which means that one in four Romanian voted anti-Semitic in 1937 because these two political parties were, besides as a feature, they advocated both a very, very strong anti-Semitic.
0: Your book points out that Jews in Romania suffered even before the Iron Guard seized power. What were some of the earliest massacres of the Jews in Romania prior to Antonescu and the Iron Guards seizing power? In particular, so, can you comment on the Dohoi pogrom
1: before I, I talk about uh, these uh, massacres to which you refer, I should say that uh, the rights yeah. granted to the to the Jews due to the constitution of nineteen twenty three were thrown away uh, in, at the very beginning of nineteen thirty eight when uh, one of the fascist parties uh, the National Christian Party, a small party which didn't have more than 8% of the votes, is uh, brought to power by King Carol II. This is a fascist party which, unlike the Iron Guard, unlike the uh, Legion of archagon Michael is more leaning toward an alliance with the king. And they start by enacting a very heavy uh, anti-semitic legislation which will continue this will be a short-lived government of uh, 70 days and after that until the coming to power of the Iron Guard uh, Romania will be uh, ruled by uh, uh, so-called dictatorship of uh, king carol ii which was very close uh, to uh, in terms of how it was ruling to the Italian fascist and this dictatorship which had su- which had several successive uh, uh, governments enacted a very continued to enact actually a very heavy uh, uh, anti-semitic legislation, which will culminate with, uh, the, with um, uh, basic anti-semitic laws from 8 and 9 of August 1940, openly openly inspired by the racial, openly inspired in writing by the racial legislation of Nazi Germany from, from Nuremberg, from uh, from um, uh, 1935. Now I'm coming to uh, the crux of your question, namely the pre Iron Guard uh, and pre Antonescu government uh, uh, legislation, uh, 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 anti Semitic uh, killings. And I can mention two of them. Uh, both of them ha- happened immediately after the retreat of uh, Romania from Bessarabia and Bukovina. Let us remember that during the summer of uh, 1940, more precisely in July 1940, due to the Ribbentrop-Molotov Pact, Romania lost uh, northern Bukovina and uh, Bessarabia to Soviet Union. Uh, Soviet occupation lasted for eleven months. And uh, then during the war, these uh, two provinces were reunited with Romania. But during the summer of 1940, having as background as re- this retreat of, uh, of uh, Romania from uh, these two provinces, Romanian troops killed uh, slightly over 100 Jews in Doropoi in a cemetery uh, and in the town, this was a pogrom uh, with the participation of Romanian troops and also uh, another major killing happened in Galatz, uh, mostly Jews but not only were killed uh, in uh, the port of Galatz and uh, close to the railway station, part of these people were refugees who trying to reach Soviet Union, Galaz being very close to the border of Soviet Union. And uh, again, when uh, Romania lost the and Northern Bukovina, there was an exchange of population and refugees were going, going
0: both ways over the border. Can you describe the Dorokhoi pogrom and its consequences?
1: Well, what happened in Dorohoi was that uh, uh, a military unit uh, which participated to the burial of uh, Romanian officer and Romanian and Jewish soldiers, because at that point Jewish soldiers were still drafted into the Romanian army for reasons which are not very clear, because we don't know exactly which triggered this pogrom. Killed Jews in the town of uh, Dorohoi went into their homes. Uh, executives, old people, young people, women, children, men, and uh, uh, that's all. all. we know, all we know uh, besides this about this pogrom is that we don't have any proof that it was ordered by the higher ups of the Romanian uh, army. Uh, it was uh, probably triggered by the anti-Semitic atmosphere of those days of those days so if Romania lost uh, Bessarabia and Bukovina uh, this was blamed on the Jews but uh, we don't have too many details
0: about this pogrom can you comment on the Bucharest pogrom of January 1941 what was the course of events
1: well uh, the pogrom of Bucharest of 1941 uh, needs to be described as having uh, the background of uh, a government which uh, on paper uh, the government which came to power in 1940 on 6th of september 1940 this was a government which uh, was made of an alliance between the iron guard about which i already talked and general antonescu general antonescu was somebody who was uh, ideologically, uh, uh, somewhere in between the Iron Guard and the National Christian Party. So clearly he had a, a fascist uh, political motivation, and uh, he was also very pro-Nazi, pro 3rd um, uh, pro, uh, Reich. Now I need to tell you that uh, the fact that Antonescu, with the Iron Guards, came to power in September, 1940 was due to the losses of Bessarabia and Bukovina, northern Bukovina, about which I already talked, but also due to the loss in August 1940 of northern Transylvania. So the king became uh, very unpopular and basically the Iron Guard and the uh, organized the coup d'etat and uh, showed the king the door. Uh, this was a government which uh, was uh, again very much oriented toward Nazi Germany. In fact, in fact, it uh, struck an alliance immediately in October 1940 with Nazi Germany. Uh, but um, it is also uh, fair to say that there were some differences between the Iron Guard and Antonescu. First of all, there was a competition to power between them. Uh, but where they fully agreed was the necessity to implement a very comprehensive anti-Semitic legislation uh, based on the basic anti-Semitic laws, if I may say so, it's kind of tautological. Uh, from 8 or, and uh, 9 of August 1940, which precluded their government. Jews were excluded from uh, the Deaf Mute Association, from the, the Boxing Association, uh, they were not allowed to go to movies or to own pharmacies or or um, to treat, uh, 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 for example, uh, medical Jewish medical doctors were precluded to to treat uh, Christian patients and so on and so on. Uh, but there was again, uh, once more, uh, a very strong competition between these two branches of the government Uh, the Iron Guards were more rebel rousers less inclined to respect the laws. Antonescu was some uh, one, was one described by uh, Barrington uh, Moore Jr. uh, like uh, representing the honorable clerks of the fascism In any case, in Berlin, there was a split between the Nazi leadership because if Hitler and the general staff of the uh, German army supported Antonescu because they wanted law and order in Romania, and they needed two things from Romania, the Romanian army, which was controlled by Antonescu in the view of of the incoming war against the Soviet Union, and oil. Romania was at that point a major producer of oil. When the Iron Guards were supported for ideological reasons by uh, the SS and the Nazi Party. And of course, Hitler uh, uh, prevailed. And coming back to your question, to the moment of the pogrom, this was a moment when the Iron Guard rebelled against General Antonescu. He wasn't yet marshal, he will become marshal later. And um, uh, they tried to take over the institutions, the government, government buildings. They failed, but they killed uh, 123, 124 Jews, and they also massively uh, devastated the Jewish quarter in Bucharest, Jewish homes. Uh, it was a very savage uh, action uh, against the Jews and their institutions in Bucharest. Luckily for the Jews of Bucharest, Antonescu prevailed, so at that point, uh, the pogrom stopped, uh, but not before, as I said, 123 uh, or 24 Jews were killed, and uh, over 1,000 uh, synagogues, Jewish stores, Jewish apartments were devastating. It was a sort of, if I may say so, Romanian crystal this problem of Eucharist. Even the number of victims is similar.
0: Can you describe the events surrounding the seizure of power by Ion Antonescu and the Iron Guard in September 1940? How and why was King Carol II removed from power?
1: As Can I you describe
0: already, what happened? Yeah.
1: As I said already, Carol uh, was... Uh, the King of Romania, uh, during the summer of 1940, Romania lost Bukovina, to the Soviets. lost uh, Northern Transylvania to Hungary under the, uh, under the Vienna agreement, lost a little piece of Dobroja uh, to Bulgaria. And this made the King very unpopular. So basically, the Iron Guard staged some demonstrations, and. Uh, Antonescu told the king, either you leave or your life will not be guaranteed, and the king left him It's very simple. It was a pretty straightforward coup d'etat.
0: What new evidence does your book reveal about the Yaj Kogrom? What can we learn from survivor accounts? Can you share any with us?
1: Look, in general, this book, is uh, probably 50 percent twice as as big as the previous edition because many more uh, many more um, archival documents were opened in Romania, not only in Romania, about the period of the Holocaust. So, um, in general, the book brings uh, besides new facts based on new documents. The book brings also uh, a lot of testimonies of survivors. And uh, I have to tell you, first of all, this relates to another book of mine, which is specifically about the pogrom of Yash, that this pogrom is one of the best documented events of the Holocaust from a photographic point of view. So. I published in the United States, and not only in the United States, in Romania and in France, uh, a photo album on the program of Hyash. what's interesting about this photo album is that uh, I matched testimonies of survivors with images shown by the photos, and or testimonies of, of bystanders, and sometimes even testimonies of perpetrators, which describe describes specifically what's happening in each of these photos. There are over 120 photos of uh, describing what's happening, surprising what happened in the pogrom of Yash and two death So The pogrom of Yash can be divided in in two parts. One relates to the massacre of Jews in the city itself, or the other relates to the fate of over three thousand Jews, who were, uh, um, were, you know, over four thousand Jews, who were put on two death trains, and sixty percent of them died because of the heat, because of um, the tortures that they suffered during uh, those two uh, journeys. And this is what the photos and also, of course, archival
0: documents illustrate. Who were the primary perpetrators of the Yash Pogrom?
1: Look, the Yash Pogrom, first of all, was um, organized and triggered by the Romanian secret services, uh, both branches, the civilian branches, the special service of information, SSI, but also by the counterintelligence of the army, second section of the General staff of the Army in charge with the counter-espionage. These are the people who use the informants, many of them former Iron Guards, because the Iron Guard was already uh, forbidden to exist officially after the program of Bucharest, after the attempt to overthrow Antonescu. And uh, these are the Main organizer of the problems. The two information services of Romania, intelligence services, uh, and uh, through their networks of informants were instructed to stir up things. When it comes to the perpetrators, the main perpetrators are uh, police, Romanian police, uh, gendarmerie, Romanian gendarmerie, Romanian military units, also German units units were also stationed in Yash uh, and uh, civilians, neighbors of the Jews uh, who lived in Yash Yash had uh, over 30% of its population which was uh, close to 100,000 souls uh, was Jewish. So we are talking about a major uh,
0: a Jewish, a partially Jewish city. On page 317, you write, In some senses, the events in Romania during World War II have more in common with the chaotic killing process in Cambodia under Pol Pot or the ethnic cleansing during the Yugoslav civil wars than with the industrial killing processes of the Third Reich. What do you mean? Can you clarify why you... Observe this way.
1: Yes, let me let me um, uh, try to elaborate on this. Although the reader will understand uh, what I meant by this, because it's a sort of a conclusion. First of all, uh, one needs to understand that uh, Romania, uh, under Romanian administration, uh, over. 250,000, close to 280,000 uh, Jews, Romanian Jews and Ukrainian Jews, who were killed. But Romania didn't have gas chambers. Romania didn't have uh, vast concentration camps like Nazi Germany. What happened is that at the very beginning of the war, Romanian uh, military units, uh, sometimes in alliance uh, with uh, German units, massively killed tens of thousands of Jews in Bessarabia and Bukovina, then one of, and over 150,000 Jews in Bessarabia and Bukovina were uh, sent, deported to Transnistria. Uh, Transnistria was a territory between the Buk and uh, the Denister rivers under Romanian occupation uh, it was between basically an occupied province of Romania with a capital in Odessa, and there, Romanian Jews were dumped in ghettos uh, where they died because of typhus, because of uh, typhoid fever, uh, because of executions, mistreatments. So it was a more primitive and more disorganized and less industrial way in which the Romanian Jews were dispatched than the more organized and more systematic, if you wish, way in which uh, Jews under German occupation were killed. Uh, This is a sense of my conclusion, uh, which you just uh,
0: quoted. What can you tell us about the Dalnitz massacre in Odessa? What happened? Where, when, and why did this occur?
1: So, as I told you, Odessa became the capital of this uh, newly uh, occupied province uh, by Romania. Uh, so basically, Ukraine was divided into uh, part of Ukraine, which again was in between the Dniester and the Bug rivers, was under uh, Romanian occupation. Beyond the Bug river was the German area of occupation of Ukraine. Now, as you well know, and as we all well know, German uh, Romanian troops, I'm using this term because Romania was the second most important ally, Nazi Germany on the Eastern Front in the East. Military operation against Soviet Union uh, advanced very very quickly during the first weeks and months of the war. However, Odessa resisted until late October 1941. Initially, the capital of Transnistria was in Tiraspol, and uh, around the 20th of, uh, more precisely, on 21st, 22nd of. Uh, of uh, October 1941, finally, finally, Odessa after, because there was a very strong Soviet resistance there. And when they occupied Odessa, the Romanian troops immediately uh, rounded up the Jews and created in, in the central prison of Odessa and in improvised ghettos all over the city. But uh, two days later, uh, a, a mine. Left by the NKVD by the Soviet uh, secret police, exploded in the building of the uh, Romanian uh, army headquarters, and close to 70, 000, uh, 70 Romanian soldiers, uh, officers, a few German soldiers uh, officers and soldiers were killed. And uh, uh, in uh, as reprisals, uh, Antonescu ordered the massive execution of Jews in, uh, in Odessa. We are talking about close to twenty two, twenty three thousand 23,000 Jews, most of them being executed by Romanian troops in Dalnik. Dalnik was in the periphery of Odessa, where the Jews were gathered, put in military barracks made of wood and where either um, machine guns or burned alive. So it's a huge massacre, which was personally ordered by Zen then-marshal Yomento uh,
0: What can you tell us about the Golta Massacre? What transpired? Who was responsible?
1: Golta Massacre uh, uh, is basically as uh, three, if you, wish, uh, if you wish, chapters of uh, localities. We are talking about uh, Bogdanovka, where 48,000 Jews were killed. We are talking about Dumanovka, where 16,000 Jews were killed. And we are talking finally about Akhichetka, where five to 6,000 Jews were killed. Uh, Polta was uh, an area very close to the Bug River. Uh, most of the Jews who were interned in the Gota region were local Jews, uh, Ukrainian Jews. Uh, but there were, in between them, some Bessarabian uh, Jewish refugees. In any case, the vast majority of the victims were either survivors from the Odessa killing, which I already mentioned, about which you asked me, and also uh, Jews from other areas of Ukraine were concentrated in, in this uh, Golta region. Uh, unlike the Odessa killing, where we have the proof that Antonescu was responsible, he as a main perpetrator was uh, Modest a certain Modesty Sopescu, who was the governor of the Golta district, Romanian governor of the Golta district of Ukraine. It looks like uh, the Germans, Golda is very close to the Boog River, and it looks like the Germans were in control of the other side of the Book pushed also for these executions because uh, they were afraid of t- typhus. Typhus was not choosing, you know, I mean... Uh, Jewish, there were of course a lot of Jewish victims, but Typhus affected also the Romanian army and the local Romanian army occupiers, but also the Ukrainians. So uh, the method to combat uh, in this case the epidemics was to kill the Jews as main carriers of typhus. And uh, the perpetrators there were Romanian gendarmes, but also Ukrainian police and Ethnic Germans There are two things to be mentioned about Ukraine Number one The Romanian gendarmerie who was Enforcing the law of order, so to speak In Ukraine was Insufficient in terms of numbers So they also used local Ukrainian police Who was heavily involved in killings against the Jews And against the Roma, by the way The deported Roma from Romania and also also uh, it worth mentioning the fact that there were over 100 villages uh, uh, inhabited in Transnistria of ethnic Germans. These were people who lived there for centuries, brought their ancestors were brought by Catherine II, Empress of, of Russia, And they uh, were enrolled in the SS under Berlin's control. They also were involved in massive killings of the Jews. So it's a major complex uh, killing operation. And coming back to Gota, we are, talk, we are talking about 75, 76000 Jews killed under Romanian coordination by Romanian gendarmerie, Ukrainian police, and ethnic Germans, all enrolled in the local SS.
0: What can you tell us about the Pesioara camp? What were conditions like there? Why do you refer to it as being the most horrific site of Jewish internment in all of Transnistria?
1: Look, we don't know too much about Petrograd. Basically, in Transnistria, there were two camps in the classic sense of the word. Uh, the rest of the places where the Jews were interned were, as I've already said, get I uh, will make a parenthesis here for you to understand and your listener listeners, as a rate of, uh, of death in Transnistria, according to Romanian official records, in 1941, there were slightly over 150,000 Jews, uh, Romanian Jews who reached the life Transnistria. Two years later, their number was 49,000. So in two years, Two out of the three Jews deported to Transnistria were dead. Now, I'm coming back to Pechuara There were, again, as I said, two camps in uh, Transnistria, in the classic sense of the word. One was Pechuara The other was Vapniata. Pechawara was relatively poorly guarded, and for reasons which we don't understand very well, was slowly disbanded. But this not before... Uh, uh, a sizable amount of Jews died there because of hunger and because extremely, extremely brutal conditions of uh, of uh, uh, detention.
0: What can you tell us about Roma victims of the Holocaust in Romania? This you described very, them very... in great length. Can you share more about the Roma tragedy and the Roma experience in Romania during the Holocaust?
1: So, as I've already mentioned, when it comes to the Jews, there was a very comprehensive, heavily enforced anti-Semitic legislation in Romania. As the governor of Transnistria uh, said Jews were thrown out of the legal system, Romanian officer is quoted in my book saying that in Transnistria, the life of a Jew was less important than the life of a dog. Now, what's important to remember here is that although the Antonescu regime took very harsh measures against the Roma, there was no anti-Roma legislation in Romania. One day, head of the state, Marshal Antonescu, decided that the Jews, that I I apologize, the Roma, should be deported to Transnistria. Under which criteria? Two criteria. Nomadic Roma... And Roma, who, so to speak, had inroads with the justice. I'm saying so to speak because this measure was not correctly enforced. First of all, many Roma who didn't have any problems with the justice were deported. Second, any civilized country today, and even them, acknowledge the Judicial principle of personal responsibility. Roma were deported with their families. Let's say if a thief, uh, spent two years in prison or then he was released, he, but also his family were deported to Transnistria. What I'm trying to say in too many words is that these 25,500 Roma were deported to Transnistria, were deported according to very Arbitrary rules, the nomadic Roma from uh, uh, police uh, sections to police sections with their horses and carriages, and the non nomadic Roma by train. Their fate was terrible. Half of them died in Transnistria. There were cases of cannibalism. They burned the windows and the, the doors and the furniture, whatever they had, in terms of Transnistria doesn't have too much food, you know. It's mostly a plane, and, and uh, they learned uh, whatever could have been burned, and uh, uh, half of them died. They uh, lived there to the degree to which they survived under terrible conditions. they were, as I maybe already mentioned, even cases of cannibalism
0: in between them because of. Your book describes at length the experiences of Roma soldiers in Romania's army. How were they treated? What is known of their fate? Can you share some additional detail about it?
1: I don't have any any, uh, documentary proof that uh, the Roma soldiers were treated differently in the Romanian army than the Romanian soldiers. Uh, However, uh, there Fate was particularly tragic because many of their first degree relatives, sisters, brothers, uh, wives, children, parents were deported to Transnistria when they were serving in the Romanian army, when they were literally shedding their blood for the motherland. This is uh, a story which is unheard of in terms of treatment of soldiers under, uh, to their credit, the Romanian officers and the Romanian command, to a certain degree, military command, tried to help these soldiers to recover their deporter, deported relatives unsuccessfully, and this created such a pandemonium in the Romanian military uh, bureaucracies, that after six months of deportations, the whole process was stopped. What? Can
0: you tell us about the Struma tragedy? What new information does your book reveal about the fate of this ship? How did Ion and Mihai Antonescu respond to this ship?
1: So, first of all, it's important to mention that in theory, uh, in theory, uh, the Antonescu regime allowed the Jews To emigrate to Palestine. In reality, we are talking about not more than five thousand Jews who were allowed between September 1940, when Antonescu took power, until August 1944, when he was overthrown, uh, were allowed to leave for Palestine. Two of the ships which carried over together over one thousand. 200 people were torpedoed, and and these people died. So, uh, close to 20% of these deportees perished during the journey. Uh, Now, the Struma, I'm not sure that my book brings many new information about the tragedy of the Struma, but I would dare to draw uh, a conclusion which Uh, tells me, and hopefully I'll be able to uh, convince your uh, listeners and viewers that practically, uh, no, practically uh, the Holocaust was a European point. And no country uh, basically escapes responsibility in this tragedy, be it. Members of the Axis, members of uh, the alliance of, with Nazi Germany, be it, uh, the allies, namely Great Britain, United States, uh, Soviet Union, be it the neutral countries. And let me be more specific. Let's look together, as you kindly asked me at the Struma example. So you, we have 764, 65 passengers. Mostly Romanian Jews, overwhelmingly Romanian Jews, who are leaving Romania because of uh, the German and the Romanian and Romanian German atrocities, which are filtering down to them in terms of information. Because we are talking about uh, the, the departure of this ship in December 1941, yeah. So uh, they leave. Uh, to uh, to our Palestine let us remember that the Great Britain does not allow Jews who to reach Palestine unless they have a visa and there are only four passengers on this ship which who have visas yeah for Palestine and uh, barely it's a very old ship in very poor condition barely the ship reaches uh, Istanbul where the Turkish authorities, Turkey, being a neutral country, does not do not allow uh, the passenger to disembark, with the exception of these people uh, who had visa, handful of people visas from Palestine, plus plus uh, one heavily pregnant lady. The rest of them are kept on the ship until the end of February 1942 when the ship is towed back in the black ship by the Turkish Navy and where, immediately after being let loose uh, by the Turks, uh, a Russian submarine torpedoes the ship and everybody but uh, a gentleman whose name was David Stoliar, he passed away a few years ago, everybody perishes. So if we summarize the story of the Puma we see that Two countries who are on the allied camp, namely Great Britain and Soviet Union, are responsible for the death of these Jewish people. Uh, Two other countries, Romania and Germany, are responsible because they were trying to escape them and also talking about the passengers of the stream. And finally, one neutral country, which doesn't extend a finger or contraire, chases them away that talking about Turkey is involved in this tragedy. We are talking only and sarcastically about about seven hundred and sixty thousand Jews, but we have countless of tragedies in Europe in which everybody on all sides is involved in one way or another, passively actively in this huge continental
0: tragedy. Can you comment on the fate of Romanian Jews in other countries in Europe during the Holocaust? How much is known of Romanian Jews inside of Germany and their experience under Nazi Germany? Or Romanian Jews in France who experienced Vichy France?
1: Uh, Before I go to this, allow me to say a couple of words about how and when... Sure. uh, the tide of the war and the decisions of the Romanian government triggered a change in the fate of the Romanian Jewry. During the summer of 1942, there was heavy pressure of Nazi Germany to uh, deport the remaining Jews. We are talking about roughly 300,000 Jews from Southern Moldova from Vallejo and Southern Transylvania. Uh, to be deported to uh, Belzec, which was a death camp, where their fate would have been uh, sealed. Now, for very complicated reasons, Antonescu, Ion Antonescu, changes his mind. Uh, American and uh, uh, Vatican pressures, Swiss pressures, uh, the planned deportation of the Jews from Thousand Transylvania from Regat, namely from Valachia and Moldova, thousand Moldova, was not implemented. There were internal pressures to Romanian politicians, uh, Queen Mother, who's a writer, Gentlemania Bashem, who put pressure on Antonescu, and Antonescu decides to postpone this deportation to the spring of 1943. 1943, we are after stalingrad and the writing is once a while now I'm coming back to your question and due to this due to this you know 300,000 Jews roughly survived the whole which is not a small number coming back to your question now about the fate of Romanian Jews abroad and we are talking about the back and forth of the Romanian government in not protecting and then protecting these Jews. Between the summer of nineteen forty-two and the spring of nineteen forty-three, Romanian Jews the Romania lifts the protection of Romania its protection of Romanian Jews abroad, and because of this, about three thousand Jews from France and another two thousand from Germany, Austria, the Czech lands. Slovakia, Netherlands, Belgium will be deported to Auschwitz where the great, great majority will be killed. After the spring of 1943, this protection is reintroduced and uh, Romanian Jews abroad are protected by the Romanian government. So a few low thousands of them will survive the war, some of them being even returned to Romania.
0: Can you describe the trials of Romanian war criminals between 1945 and 1952?
1: Yes. Um, It is important to remember that uh, Romania, in between 1944-45 and 1948, was a country which rapidly was transiting from a, a classic European, post-fascist regime toward the communist regime. And justice system uh, was forced to adapt to these changes. However, it's interesting to notice that in Romania, only four people were condemned to death and executed because of the war trends, we are talking about Jordan Antonescu, the head of the state. Mihai Antonescu, who was vice president of the government and minister of foreign affairs. Alexi- Giorgi Alexiano, who was the governor of Transnistria. And finally, the secretary of state uh, of the ministry of interior, deputy minister of interior. General Basiliu, who was also the commander of the Romanian gendarmerie. Romanian gendarme, was massively involved in the killings of the uh, Jews in Vaslui and Bukovic. and in Transnistria, of course. Now, a Romanian gendarme who raped children, who executed women, who sold the clothes of the dead Jews to local peasants, received between 5 and 10 years of prison. Most of these people... Uh, was out, were out of prison in the mid 50s. So there are hundreds of gendarmes, uh, who, Romanian gendarmes and Romanian mid ranking officials who were involved in the Holocaust. Most of them were, towards the end of the 50s, free. There is something else which needs to be said. Part of the territory of Romania before, uh, the summer of 1940, namely Northern Transylvania, was during the war under Hungarian occupation. There, the Holocaust, was organized by the Hungarian authorities and by the Germans, and uh, basically most of the Jews in Northern Transylvania, talking about 150,000, and um, the Jews from Marmorosh which was also a province occupied by Hungary, were deported to Auschwitz where they perished. And here the responsibility in one is Hungarian responsibility to round up these Jews, and turned them in the ghettos and then deported them to the German uh, uh, extermination camps from occupied Poland, not before handing them over to
0: the SS. Can you compare and contrast Mihai antonescu and Ion antonescu how were their personalities and psychologies similar or different from one another what were the similarities and differences in their ideologies how did they differ in their views of jews of german romanian relations their views of communism their views of romania in world war ii what were the similarities and differences between them?
1: It's an interesting question. It is uh, important to remember that one of them was a high ranking officer. I'm talking about Fiona Antones, which was a, a former chief of staff of the Romanian army, formerly military attache in London and in Paris, uh, and who was uh, clearly. Impregnated with fascist, Romanian fascist ideology. Hi Antonescu was an opportunist, a lawyer. It is said that he was a distant relative of Ion Antonescu. It was never clear to me if this was true or not. It's a very, very common name in Romania. And there, so to speak, a uh, blood uh, relationship uh, it was not. Proven by any document which I saw. Now Michael, John Antonescu was relatively uh, consistent when it comes to his, his hate towards the Jews and the measures that he took against the Jews, uh, even late in 1944 when he was not anymore giving orders to kill the Jews, he was still giving orders not always implemented to have them locked up in uh, ghettos and so on. And he constantly expressed in the meetings of the Council of Ministers and with other occasions a a hatred towards the Jews. Mikhail Antonescu uh, was, again, vice president of the government. He was running the government when Antonescu Young was in the front line or when he was sick. Was vice president of the government and minister of foreign affairs. He was a pure opportunist. It's a, at the beginning of the war, he stated clearly, openly that the Jews should be massacred with machine guns. Slowly, when he sees the writing on the wall, when he sees that uh, the tide of the war is turning, he he starts to pretend that he protected the Jews. So. He is somebody who wants to show uh, the Americans and the British that he is not a savage anti-Semite. He even allows repatriation from Transnistria of a few thousand Jewish orphans. So he mellows again for opportunistic reasons. So they are not similar, although they serve the same cause of together of uh, the alliance of, with Nazi Germany and the destruction of the Romanian Jews.
0: How did Maria Antonescu perceive Jews? What was her attitude toward her husband's
1: policies? I don't have any kind of uh, of direct uh, proofs in terms of uh, saying one thing or another. It is clear, however, according to Chief Rabbi of Romania Shafran, that she did not try to uh, uh, help the jews and when it comes to the charity that she was running and which was organizing her name it's clear that this charity benefited from the uh, goods and money stolen from the romanian jews
0: what was the personal relationship between Ion Antonescu and Adolf Hitler like? What did they think of each other? Well, How did, did they the feel discussion. in one another's uh, presence?
1: In, 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 uh, uh, in, uh, if we look in time at this uh, uh, relationship between the two dictators, Antonescu was speaking pretty bluntly to Hitler, more bluntly than other leaders. Uh, Hitler needed Antonescu because, as I said, the Romanian army and uh, the, the Romanian oil. So uh, uh, allegedly, allegedly, or at least apparently, Hitler respected Antonescu. However, however, he cheated on him, presenting him false uh, military maps. We know this pretty well. And also, he was speaking in a. The way about him when uh, he heard that he was overthrown. But I would say that in spite of this, Antonescu was one of the most respected allies of Hitler by Hitler. And Antonescu, on the other hand, uh, was until his last moment when he was in power faithful to Hitler, refusing to break the alliance uh, with him.
0: What are some topics for future research that you would recommend to current and future students and scholars interested in studying the history of the Holocaust in Romania? What are some suggested areas of study that you would like to see examined that have not been up to now?
1: Look, this is a difficult question, and I am afraid I will not be able to be very specific. I would say only that this is a field which is Relatively new. I want also to say that to its credit, Romania today opened massively, massively the archives of the Holocaust, PZ National Archives, archives of the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, uh, the military archives. Let us also mention that Romanian records, (laughs) part of the Holocaust, are. Massively opened in the Republic of Moldova. In Ukraine, where well, Ukraine is not a good place to go these days. I would not say the same thing about Russia. It's interesting to say that certain records of the Holocaust in Russia are still closed, which is not to this country's glory. There is no reason for which the records of the FSB, which were only marginally Open are not open to the researcher. Well, researchers, well, who wants to go to Moscow these days to study the Holocaust because uh, some things similar to the Holocaust are implemented by Russia and Ukraine. So it's better to stay away for different reasons, as I would say, personal safety reasons from both Russia and Ukraine. But um, again, uh, the archives in Romania and in Moldova and are, are massively open, and the Holocaust Museum in Washington, and also Yad Vashem and Nisar have millions and millions, tens of millions of pages of records related to the Holocaust in in Romania. So the field is wide open. There are many, many aspects uh, which are not yet well-known and which are worth exploring, like forced labor, like the role of the German SS in Transnistria, uh, like uh, the participation of local population in Bessarabia in the killing of the Jews, uh, the role of central and local authorities. So, of course labor, and so on and so on, so we have. Uh, a lot of work to do. and There is an array of young researchers in Romania and the United States and in Germany and in France who are working on this subject. So I'm sure that new valuable books will be published sooner than later.
0: As we bring our dialogue today to a close, what are you working on next as your current project? Can you share any
1: I am being a diplomat working for the Romanian Ministry of Foreign Affairs in Israel. So, um, I'm afraid that I cannot report too much to you. I'm planning uh, to hopefully publish uh, in Romania part of the diary of Paul Moron. Paul Moron was... uh, Top clerk of the Vichy regime in France, heavy anti-Semites, strongly connected with uh, Pierre Laval and with other French fascists. And it happens that he became, he was married to a Romanian princess, and he became uh, Vichy's ambassador to Romania. And hopefully I will be able to um, write a study uh, as an introduction to this uh, diary. But uh, I have to acknowledge that uh, my uh, plans, my book, uh, which you uh, kindly interviewed me about, will be very, very soon published in French, so I will have a, a Romanian edition, of course, and the U.S. edition, which you uh, uh, read, because you asked me very uh, pointed questions, and uh, very soon, in uh, a few weeks, uh, the French edition will come up.
0: But, Amazing. Um, Amazing. Know. This is extraordinary news.
1: Well, I um, thank you. Uh, I don't think that I can report too much to you about my future work, because again, I uh, have a new job as ambassador, and
0: I am pretty busy. As we bring our dialogue today to a close, uh, I am your host on the new books in Jewish Studies, podcast Ari Barbalat. Today I have been in dialogue with Radu Yohanid. He is ambassador of Romania to the state of Israel. He has formerly been a historian and archivist with the United States Holocaust Memorial Museum in Washington DC. This interview is given in a private capacity as a historian. We have been discussing his new book, the Holocaust in Romania, the destruction of Jews and Roma under the Antonescu regime, 1940 to 1944, published by Roman and Littlefield in association with the United States Holocaust Memorial Museum, 2022. Thank you.
1: Thank you very much, Ari. Kindly keep
0: in touch. Thank you, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate everything. Thanks for your erudition and thanks for everything you eloquently shared with us in this dialogue.
1: Thank you. Thank you very much. Stay safe. Thank
0: you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you.